0: This episode of the Golden Mike Podcast is brought to you by iWake.com. Check out www.iWake.com for breaking news, articles, and exclusive videos. Thanks again to iWake.com, and now it's showtime. He's been the
1: voice of wakeboarding for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated Toad Watersports' biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years on-the-water experience, charisma, and command of his audience, Noise of the North brings you The Golden Mike Podcast with Dano the Mano.
0: Welcome, everybody, to The Golden Mike Podcast. I'm The Noise of the North, Dano the Mano, and now it's time for some audio sunshine. Today's episode... The 18th episode of The Golden Mike was recorded in sunny Orlando, Florida, the mecca of all things wake. This audio podcast is based off the lake life, my passion for toad water sports, and the athletes who have helped sculpt the landscape of the sport we love. Twice monthly, I'll be sitting down and talking with the industry's top names, past and present, the riders, and the people behind the scenes who make this world on the water spin. The Golden Mike podcast is brought to you for free on the first and third Wednesday of each and every month, both on iTunes and at noiseofthenorth.com. To keep this podcast no charge, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show, iWake.com, Woodrose, Hydra Fenders, Jammy Pack, Performance Ski and Surf, Hungry Boards, SUP, and Puck. Be sure to check out the sponsor link on noiseofthenorth.com to help support and to find special offers and deals from the people who helped me make this show happen, please subscribe to the Golden Mike Podcast free on iTunes, and don't forget to rate and review the show. Also, follow my personal Instagram at dano t mano d a n o t m a n o, and both Twitter accounts at the dano t mano and at the golden Feel free to contact me with any questions or comments through the Golden Mike Facebook page or email me goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. Times are starting to get busy for the Noise of the North. Lots of events going on. Pretty much an event each and every weekend right now. I just got back from Texas. TSR cable stock was over the weekend. I admit, this year competitor-wise, it may have been a touch smaller than usual, but the riding was off the chain. Tom Fouché won the event. But I'll tell you what, watch out for the new generation of cable riders out of the Southwest. Guys like Brady Patry, Caden Vogues, and Jack Dornstein are a few kids I've been seeing at Cable Stock and the Points Chase Nationals over the last few years, and their abilities are unreal. 15-year-old kids just booting. Sevens, nines, so tech. I even saw one of the kids land a couple of backside 900s. Very impressive, to say the least. Standout moments were the kicker gap to corrugated pipe rail. It was like a 30-foot gap from the kicker just to make it to the corrugated pipe, which was 15 feet above the water. And, of course, the infamous Cable Stock Bikini Contest, which I got to host for like the fifth year in a row. You can check out the photos on Instagram by using the hashtag TSRCableStock or see my personal photos and words in my iWake.com blog called The Noise. Well, on to today's guest. He's a legend in wakeboarding on and off the water. He boasts major titles and in events including pro tour stops and the national championships. His style and tricks have kept him relevant since the 90s. You ask many riders still today who inspire them, and I could almost guarantee his name will come up. He's a great dude, an ambassador, an innovator, and still a competitor. If you've ever seen him at an event, chances are beautiful women aren't far behind. Sean Watson's my guest this time on the Golden Mike podcast, which is fitting as we're getting close to the Nautique Masters and Watts is a Nautique athlete. I've got a lot of really good questions lined up for Sean, and who knows, we might even get a little nostalgic, but that's okay because history's good. I'm stoked for this one and I hope you guys are too. Hang tight and we'll be right back with another future wakeboarding Hall of Famer, the original Swatsbinner himself, Sean Watson, right here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Hydra boat fenders are innovative, unique, custom-made boat fenders, boat bumpers, and buoys made of quality, long-lasting marine materials that will last for years. Combining incredible softness for maximum cushioning with superior strength and durability, Hydra fenders are the most eye-catching and unique boat fenders on the market. Follow them on Instagram or Twitter at Hydra Fenders or check out the original Skull Fender online at HydraBoatFenders.com. Use promo code MANO2015 for an extra 10% off. Again, that's MANO2015 for an extra 10% off at www.hydraboatfenders.com. Welcome to the Golden Mike Podcast, the two-time, two-time U.S. National Wakeboard Champion, Sean Watson. What's up, Dana? (laughs) Yeah, Watts, thanks for... Thanks for having us out to your house to record today.
1: Wow, thanks for, you know, thinking of me and uh, deciding me to or to include me on this podcast.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've got the masters coming up, so I thought that it would be appropriate to get a, a Nautique only, rider.
1: Yeah, only fitting.
0: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're sitting here in your Nautique G23 right now. We are. It's, on, it's
1: a very comfortable, beautiful boat.
0: Can we say what lake?
1: We're on Lake Hiawassee.
0: We are on Lake Hiawassee, aren't we? Yeah. Where's the, where? gold,
1: the Golden Gem, Lake Hiawassee.
0: Where's the Hiawassee Posse right now? That's my question. Yeah,
1: you know, it's it's kind of nice because there's, you know, I can go out any time of the day and ride and not have to worry anybody else being around. But, you know, back in the day when there was a Hiawassee Posse, it was, you could ride pretty much any time of the day because there always was somebody here. Nowadays, I'm like, hey, you guys want to come over and ride? I could You really use someone to come over and ride. There's so many lakes and now everybody has I'm not G23, so it's more accessible and whatnot. But yeah, people was... still come over and, you know, they like it because there's nobody here. It's always calm. You Unless were... it's really windy, that's the only time it's bad.
0: You but... were one of the first guys to, to get one of the G-boats in their backyard, right? That was true. And then you and I became, what, the first two people to ever barefoot behind a G-boat, right? I think right? we
1: did, yeah. Where was that? Was that on um... That was right here. It was right here. Wow. It was
0: for an Alliance article. I
1: remember that. Wow. We had some sweet photos from that day.
0: Yeah, that was good. I think Probably. you and I were wearing tuxedos. We were. I don't know why.
1: Well, because we had to, I mean, we won. And I think partly it was because of our outfit and the show that we put on. We really had a great ambience. You know?
0: it, we, we did. Yeah. That was the day that um, Mike Dowdy and Zane Schwank did doubles as Pete and Betty Bonifay.
1: That could have been one of the weirdest things I've ever seen.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I don't even think Dowdy was 18 at the time. No, and... and
1: I know there were some photos that could not be posted because it looked a little creepy. Yeah. yeah. I don't uh, think anybody
0: yeah. wanted uh, yeah. Dude, we missed you at cable stock this last weekend. Yeah, I know. I uh
1: I miss those I miss those events, you know. Well, I mean I think my body probably likes it better that I don't go there, you know, maybe mostly because of the party. Yeah, the party, it's a good party. It is a good party. You know, it's there's some good riding, you know, and it's a cool event, really cool setup. You know, TSR's it's an awesome place, beautiful city, awesome cable.
0: Um, but you're a really good bikini bikini contest very, judge. Yeah,
1: I'm a really good bikini judge.
0: Right. You know, you, contest you're judge, always yeah. fair. Yeah. You're I always to, fair.
1: I try to be fair. You know, I really critique and, uh, you know, I don't judge too hard. But, you know, if they got what it takes. and
0: But you, you can pick out a beautiful lady out of a group. That's, yeah. There's that's no doubt about that. Right. Well, you know what? Tom Fouché, uh, Joey Bradley, and this kid Garrett, who's a pro skater from down in the area, they they did the judging. They did a very good job. It was very classy.
1: Mm-hmm. classy yes
0: right. it was very classy minus the cl yeah. if you catch what i'm what i'm saying i think so all right man well um you know i i'm not saying that i've been stalking your instagram <laughs> maybe maybe just trying to live a little bit vicariously through it but it's been a few weeks since you've actually posted i i checked oh, I know. this morning
1: I, I, i'm i've been slacking lately on my social media skills you know i uh Sometimes I've really got some good posts and then sometimes, you know, well, especially nowadays, we have to really be careful with what we post. Yeah. When, when, when Instagram first came out, you know, if I look back at my very first post, uh,
0: there's probably some stuff I should delete. They're probably not there. You probably already deleted them. I probably
1: have. There is quite a few that I have. But nowadays it's, you know, you've got to be very, uh, conscious and sponsor awareness and make sure that, you know, you're, you're promoting your sponsors and, and, um, all that good stuff, but you also want to make sure that you're not posting anything that uh, can betray a bad image.
0: Yeah, but so. you know it's crazy? Because your Instagram used to be yours.
1: Yeah, it used to be mine. Used to be yours. Now I'm owned. Yeah. I'm owned.
0: Um, I saw you were with the Vertigo Boys doing some bungee jumping for Scott Byerly's birthday. Was that your first time?
1: No, that was my second time, but the first time I did was about 10 years prior. And, um, you know, it got broken in again. <laughs> uh, but the the first time we did it in, I think it was either Washington or Oregon, but we did it at about 4 a.m. off of a sketchy bridge. You know, we jumped one time, and it was very scary. Then we went on, over, you know, into a gully with rocks, and so if something did happen... Didn't really stand a chance. It, where, well, you
0: wouldn't have known anyways, because it's pitch black when a, you when a, you very, did that. That's a very good point. Yeah. We, we had Brian Grubb on a, a handful of episodes ago, and we talked a little bit about it and the whole crew. But I from the photos looked like it was like you and Parks uh, Grubby was out there, Harrington was out there. No, Colin wasn't there. Oh, wasn't. But it, it was
1: it was for Scott Byerly's birthday, so it was Byerly, his crew, you know, his brother and some good friends, and then he did a tour um you know stopped at a couple cable parks in the way had cole um cody hess a couple of you know a couple of riders so he had he had a solid crew of himself and then myself grub jd webb parks and i'm sure i'm forgetting a couple other people but we had a solid crew i mean we had a good 20 of us at least up there and all of us did five jumps and was um, pretty epic
0: my favorite from all of the social media that I personally saw was Cody Hess jumping. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he jumps, and then the Vertigo guys laugh, and they're like, huh, this guy wants to be a stuntman yes. or something. Yeah,
1: that was that was the funniest because, you know, he kept talking about how he wanted to be a, you know, how he's going to be a stuntman, and he's not scared, and, you know, there's something about being up there on that bridge. You're up there, and it's, you know, like, oh, and even myself, I'm like, oh, my God, I Thinking all the stuff that I want to do, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Once you're strapping in and once you're walking out to that plank, your whole mindset changes. You yeah. know, you're, you're, uh, you know, that you're about to jump off a bridge and you're, you know, you're using a general and that you really shouldn't use unless you think you're dying. Right. You're, you're about yeah. to die. So, and then if you do that five times in a row, it's, it, uh, comes a little stressful. But, uh, but yeah, Cody got up there and, you know, it was funny, they were they did a couple different things where he was standing there and, you know, facing facing all of us and Byerly walked up and kicked him off the bridge and he went screaming and had to, you know, they told him to act as though he was really scared and thought he was going to die and he
0: did a pretty good job something tells me that maybe he really did think he was going to die
1: by the the video that we saw and from what i remember seeing it definitely you know there was a couple times he he definitely had that impression
0: those vertigo guys are the best though no they are that whole
1: crew they're such a good group of guys and they're really good at what they do and they're really nice about it
0: absolutely also parks bonifay jumping in a garbage bag was pretty funny
1: (laughs) that was uh that was pretty funny you know i was right up there i got i got some good video Got some good video of it, and I think I posted it. yeah, I posted a good video. Probably of where I saw it. Yeah, but um, but yeah, he was he was freaked out because you know he didn't know where he was, and even when he jumped, you know he did a really good he did a good jump. He dove perfectly, but he said when he was ju- when he was in the air, he had no idea where he was at. He didn't know if his you know he was going face first or if he was going feet first or what he was doing. He had no idea when he was going to hit the water, and um, ended up working out pretty good.
0: Now, speaking of PB, were you in Orlando over this past weekend?
1: Um, this past weekend, no, we were I was actually in St. Pete, uh, one of my best friends, Spencer Williams, as oh, you know. Yeah. You, you know you guys, you? Uh, you, know, you, guys you? you guys have announced Master's quite a few times together, but um, he's getting married, and we, uh, the whole crew went to St. Pete and had a little rented a house and did a bachelor party a little cray cray.
0: Yeah, I can't believe Chew's getting married.
1: I, I can't believe it either. To think that he was living with me a year ago and was, you know, was was Chew it a was, wild man wearing t shirts. Now he's a businessman wearing
0: yeah. collars and yeah slacks.
1: Yeah, that's, that's what he Did is. you see
0: the uh, footage of Parks doing the backflip on the big wheel? No, I did Road see circus?
1: that. Yes, I was. We, we actually, um, we had one of the boys was facetiming us while he was doing that, and we were, you know. We were we were all watching it live pretty much the whole time through uh, thanks to FaceTime. So it was pretty cool. We I mean, you know, it, it was bad timing with us having to be in St. Pete for that weekend. But because Parks came with us the first day and then he had to leave because right. he had to he had to put on a show.
0: I think he's looking towards the next, next, next part of his. I mean, career. I think he's been
1: doing that for a while. But yeah,
0: he. Uh, Imagine getting to travel with those guys on the actual tour. I mean, that would be a scary thing to do. I think I don't, every I don't, night.
1: I mean, I mean, he, even his post that he just posted yesterday on Instagram. He's like still so sore. <laughs> you know, like he figured. I mean, even though you're landing on a on a down ramp. It's still, it's a wood. Padded.
0: and it, Isn't there a little pad on top of that too? I think so.
1: But I mean, you could see even, even all the padding he was wearing, he looked like Iron Man with what he was wearing for that event and he still, he still beat himself up.
0: So. It's crazy. It's not water. It's crazy. It's different. Yeah. It's different. I saw you compete at Nautique Moomba Masters in Melbourne. Uh, I watched the, via webcast yeah, you watched back the in March. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. pretty good. You rode well.
1: I did. It was cool. I mean, that's a, uh, you know, it's obviously you're riding behind an Autique g23 so that makes things a lot easier because the wake is absolutely perfect um and then you're riding in front of you know almost a hundred thousand fans you've got both shorelines of his of a narrow river that is fully decked out with people and um, everyone's cheering so you know no matter what the conditions are even riding in the dark a little bit of wind you've got all these people that are watching you so it's like you know you're you're just pumped up your gentleman's rushing and you just you know, I remember riding and I had a fall, but um, I remember riding pretty good and actually having one of the most fun sets I've had in a while. And it was just, I think it was just because of, you know, how pumped up I was to ride.
0: What about, how does that crowd react? Like, how is it different between the, because I know that that was originally mostly a water ski event. Yeah. And now it's more and more they're accepting and bringing in the wakeboarders and, and making a little bit more.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, you figure it's, it's actually called the Moomba Festival. And they include the Moomba Masters inside of that. So it's, you know, you've got a lot of people there that are, they are there to watch the water skiing and the wakeboarding, but they're also there for the festival. You know, there's there's rides, there's big a big um, music festival. It's, there's a lot of things that are going on. So, you know, and then that kind of just ties in. People are out there doing that, and they look over, and they see wakeboarding and water skiing, and they just come down the shorelines and they watch. I, I've never been to an event. You know, I've been to other events that are festivals with wakeboarding tied into it. People kind of watch, but they might watch for 10, 20 minutes. You've got people that are here uh, along the shoreline watching the entire event, and they're stoked. So it's... And it's like four or five days of action. Yeah, it is. It's cool. So it's, you know, it's... I don't understand why there's not a big events like that here in the U.S. Um, Maybe they need to take note, but but, uh, it's... You know, it's definitely the first time I've been to it, and it's definitely not going to be the last. And I'm looking forward to to next year and hopefully have some better
0: results. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I I want to go. You should go. I want to go.
1: I think you know this this year was uh you know especially now that Nautique is the the title sponsor of it, they want all their athletes there, and
0: they want their they're, favorite announcer. They're trying, they
1: do. I mean, you know, there's going to be because it it is like you said. It's a it's a very it's a water ski event. You know, it's a IWSF event and um so it's very waterski driven and even the way it's judged, it's not it's not judged the correct way and it's not really ran the correct way for at least for Wake. So I know uh there's there's some change that could be happening and next year could be a little different and could be more part of the you know, not just an Autique Wake series, it could be part of the World Series and, and which will drive more people to come and um Including yours truly. Yep. Yeah. That would be nice. You know, it would only be fitting if we had a, you know, the proper announcer.
0: Well, the announcer for the Wakeboard World Series, exactly. of course. Yeah. Yes. I want to talk about when you first started wakeboarding. When and where? Oh, man. Back
1: in the day. That was a long time ago. Um, You know, I was 12 years old. So that would have been the, you know, that would have been the early 90s. And, uh, you know, I grew up, my, my mom was very into water skiing. She, you know, she grew up water skiing on the same lake that I grew up water skiing on. And, um, you know, I remember I have pictures when I was, I think, eight years old learning how to water ski with Mike Seipel, um, who's a professional barefooter or used to be back in his day. But, uh, you know, I remember being a kid and I remember watching Hot Summer Nights. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Of course. Okay. So that was that was a long time ago. But, you know, that was uh,
0: you well, know, they, ESPN, they,
1: the little ESPN Hot Summer Nights. That's when wakeboarding was. You know, at, at its peak, you know, right. it, was, it was only getting bigger. And, uh, you know, I remember watching, you know, you figure Parks is only one year older than me. And I remember, you know, not not knowing really anything about wakeboarding and watching Hot Summer Nights and seeing Parks Bonifay wakeboarding at, you know, how horrible. You, maybe I think he was 14 years old and, you know, competing with Darren Shapiro and Dean Lavelle and Jeremy Kovac and all these got Byerly, you know. Firely, obviously, he was competing, but but you had the true not true competitors, but the guys that really wanted to, yeah you know, to the, win yeah yeah whatever. And um, so you know, I remember watching you know those guys and watching Parks, and you know, I'm like, man, that kid's only a year older than me. Like, I could do this. So I kind of you know started getting more into into it, and then I actually had a guy that that moved in right next door to me, and he was really into show skiing. So he kind of took me under his wing and you know, kinda of started doing show skiing events and, you know, really got the knowledge of all aspects of being on the water and, you know, it really helped me, you know, acquire, you know, I guess different skills, different things, you know, here on and off of water. And then um and then I remember, you know, my dad taking me to the US nationals, I think it was in maybe I think maybe ninety seven or when it meant ninety four crazy to think that <laughs> 20 years ago um but i remember you know going to my cuz before that i did a lot of the extreme productions events with Sean Dishman and a lot of local events and you know i did did pretty well so you you were doing contests yeah i was and then um and then but the you know the first time i actually went to a a big contest um in texas and rode junior men's and that's when i got recognized by liquid force um i remember I was riding and I used to, this is when you had to write down your tricks and you get bonus tricks and stuff. And I remember one of my, uh, in my past, I would do as big of a really as I could do. But you know, back then you were timed, So doing a big trick like that can, can, you know, take a lot of time for you. So in order to kill my speed, I would do a Bel Air, which is, if you're not familiar, it's a, it's an air tantrum. I'm so, familiar. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm speaking to the, you know, <laughs> to your listeners, but, um, so I would do a, you know, I would do a massive rally and then to kill my speed, I would do a Bel Air and then cut back and then we can do another trick. And I remember at the time, Tony Finn was a judge. Or no, wait, Jimmy Redman was a judge and Tony Finn was an announcer, which, you know, they both, they started Liquid Force. And, uh, so there I get done riding and I remember Jimmy Redman and Tony Finn coming up to me. At the, t- at the time I was riding a Hyperlite board and, um, they came up to me and they were like, Oh my God, that was an amazing run. You know, I remember them freaking out and they're like, We want you on Liquid Forest. Do you have, are you do are you sponsored? I was like, No, you know. So I ended up, you know, got that from my first ride and then uh ended up taking second right behind Ryan Wolf. He and beat me out.
0: Who took third that year?
1: No. Who took third that yeah. year? I can't even remember. It's like,
0: probably somebody like Ruck. It could have
1: been Ruck. I don't know. I, I mean it's very I would like to know that. Look at the results from that.
0: We got to get them back. We got we to get them back. So who – you grew up in South Florida, in West Palm Beach. Who were? Yep. So, who's some of the guys that you grew up riding with?
1: I mean, you know, there was a lot of people down there at the time. You know, Andy Lazarus was big. Sean Moore. Um, probably, you know, Sean Moore and myself were probably – I mean, you know, he lived closer at the time. And we were – you know, he worked at Tommy's uh, Slalom Shop. And uh, – you know, he that was Tommy's was my one of my you know was my shop sponsor at the time. So, um, you know, there was there was that crew. I, I occasionally rode with Darren Shapiro to get some lessons, but I think he was watching me get better and didn't really want to see me maybe progress too much. So I only did a few lessons with him. Um, there was another guy, Mike Ferraro. Not my far. Uh, sorry, not Mike Ferraro. But actually, Ferraro was down there at the time. I think I rode with him a few times. But there was a guy named Chet Raley Um, did some coaching with them and but I you know I really wasn't too into coaching I was really I I felt better riding with friends and um, I felt like that's where I kind of improved most you know then everyone kind of watching each other and kind of vibe up each other and you know
0: know, trial and error you sort of let Laz go out and and go ride with all the guys like Darren or whatever and then yeah Learn their tricks, come back and teach them all to you, huh? Exactly. <laughs> um, obviously, at probably about the time I'm guessing you were finishing high school, Orlando started to be the spot for professional wakeboarding. Probably a little bit after, uh, you you uh, you finally moved up from West Palm Beach up to Orlando. And when you moved up here, you lived in Windermere, right on the Butler yeah. Chain.
1: Well, you know, when I was a kid, I um I was constantly coming up with Sean Moore driving up to Orlando and staying with friends and, um, or I would take the train and I was staying with Greg McCrasson on uh, Lake Holden. And, um, you know, i I was constantly doing that weekend and I'll, you know, if I, I was, I'd be up for her during the summer. If not, I would be, you know, come for the weekends and, you know, I was constantly up here and that's, that's especially when wakeboarding or Orlando was the spot or the, the Mecca for wakeboarding. And, um, you know, because it really wasn't too much, especially as I started to get older, 16, 17, 18 years old. You know, a lot of my friends were a little bit older, and they had to have serious day jobs. So I would get out of school and be itching to ride, but couldn't do it. So pretty much as soon as I graduated high school, I actually talked to Keith Lyman. That's when he was, me and, you know, we were very close in age, and um, he was moving down from... Massachusetts, and I was moving up, and we were both looking for a place to stay, and found a really cool house on uh, in, on Lake Butler in Windermere, and we lived there for about seven months, and probably one of the most, you know, I mean, obviously Butler is an amazing lake, and you know, no matter what wind condition there is, you can always find some good water and good scenery.
0: I I'd say Lake Butler is almost the lake here in Orlando that. Anybody who knows anything about anything aspires to be on. Eventually. Yeah, I mean,
1: if it's it's definitely you have to have some money to live out there. Yeah, <laughs> you figure, you know, it's it's uh very expensive homes, property taxes, stuff like that. You know, it's very, very, very pricey to live there. So it's more difficult, but uh, definitely the place to be.
0: And so you went from Lake Butler, and then you actually bought a house. Well, the house that we're here? no,
1: no, actually, um. You know, I was living on Lake Butler, but I was, you know, really good friends with Parks Bonifay, Eric Ruck, every, you know, the whole Pointless crew. And um, Parks has a house on on Lake Hiawassee. And actually, at the time, you know, when I was living on Lake Butler, Eric Ruck was living with Parks. Well, Eric Ruck decided to buy a house on Clear Lake, so Parks was there by himself. And my we only had a seven month rental agreement at the house on butler so our rent was up, or you know our our term was up and parks is like why don't you just move in with me you know you know where else are you gonna go because we always rode together every day anyways so um so i ended up you know moving my stuff there i live with parks for about a year and a half awesome time you know we rode every day and everybody else would come over we had both you know he had his boat i had my nautique there And uh, lived there for a year and a half, and then actually, like you said, um, Peter Fleck owned this house that I live in now, and it was one of his rental properties. And he called me one day, and he said, hey, Sean, I'm selling this house, $200,000 on the lake. You want it? And at the time, I wasn't even, you know, I was 21 years old. I wasn't even thinking about buying a house. But I knew I loved this lake, and... At the time, I was like, huh, you know, I've saved up some money.
0: You knew the house too, right? Yeah,
1: I knew the house because yeah, Chad Sharp, Jeff here would live here. And There was, you know, kind of went through a different group of different people, but I had definitely been at the house quite often and knew the house and awesome backyard. You know, I got a lot of property and and uh, and it's the best lake from you know for me. I feel like in Orlando, so it was well, really it's really fitting.
0: It, it this is an amazing lake and. Um, I I know we kind of touched on a little bit, and around the time you moved here, the lake was stacked with riders. I mean, some of the biggest names you said, Parks and uh, guys like Chad Sharp and Danny Harf were living out Rusty. here. Rusty, Rusty, yeah. Then you had
1: the then you had the uh, group of the Aussies, so Dean Smith, Scotty Broom.
0: I, I I look at it like that time that not just Hiawassee was stacked. You like go, you know, three miles over to Clear Lake, and mm-hmm. you had. You know, Ruck right. and Shane and uh, Watkins, you had a whole nother crew yeah. over there. And then you go over to Lake and you had guys like Necrassen and, and guys who were riding with him over there and over mm-hmm. in Jessamine, you had Grubb and guys who were riding with him at the, I mean, it was just crazy to, to see like all these pro riders and all yeah. these different lakes. But I always kind of looked at it sort of like, what if it was like a, like a sports team, you Yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. What do you think? Which which lake was the most stacked? What what team was the best? Was it the Hiawassee Posse? I mean, the Clear there, Lake Click.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> definitely times, you know, at at um, I think at that point, like you said, there was the point where you know myself, Parks, when he was in his prime, Danny Harf, Chad Sharp, Rusty, you know, you had you had you had Rusty, Chad, and Danny living in one house, Parks in his house, um, myself over here. And then you had at one point you had uh, the Aussie crew. So yeah, plus plus you
0: also had some roommates. I had
1: had Tino at one point, um, Chris O'Shea. So yeah, there was definitely there was a good crew of people out here.
0: Any anybody like any of your roommates over the year stick out as like one of your favorites to live with, or someone that like pushed you in wakeboarding?
1: Um, you know, I definitely. You know, Tino, when I first bought the house, Tino was my first roommate, and when he first moved in, it was awesome. He was, you know, he rode every day, and that was a really good, you know, motivational thing, to, see, especially him. That kid had some crazy pop and spun like a, you know, spun like a top. I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, and then Chris O'Shea, um, really driven rider, loved to ride every day, and, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's, I've definitely had, I've had a I've had an assortment of roommates, um, pro wakeboarders or just your average, you know, Joe that would live here and it's hard to say which one's better 'cause, you know, traveling a lot, it's always nice to have someone that's home and look after the dogs, look after the house and not have to worry about anything while you're gone, versus a pro that lives with you and they travel the same way. So um gone through some changes, but you know, now I got a now I got a serious girlfriend and she lives here with me, so it kinda works out good.
0: And your brother, he's am. kind of like your son?
1: Yeah, he's kinda of, yeah, exactly. Six years younger, you know. He's uh he's interesting, but he's he's a good guy and he's a good roommate too. Especially now that he's getting older. When he first moved in he was a little younger.
0: Now he's more mature and
1: he Well he went something. away
0: and managed uh, a, a bar. A bar in yeah. in Indiana and came back an adult. Yeah, he's an adult now. He left a child. Hey, I know Bro Stock's coming up. Uh are you, you planning to attend this year?
1: <sighs> you know, this is it's odd. This is you know I've gone to all of them, and this is the tenth year, and uh, unfortunately, I'm gonna have to miss it, which is kind of brutal. But kind of how we talked about the same with TSR, I think my body might enjoy it because, right? You know, this it's a it's a serious contest. There's really good prize. There's really good prize money, but it's also a massive party.
0: <laughs> do, you, do you know what's going on there this year? Anything special, or is it just? I don't. I,
1: don't, I think it's probably the same as what's been going on. But um, you know, my. One of my last roommates that lived here, Spencer, who who we've talked about right. previously, um, he's actually getting married, and I'm in the wedding. Gotcha. So it's kind of kind of one of those hard things to to miss, you know. I uh, yeah. and I remember, you know, to to get off topic a bit, but I, um, my other best friend, Sean Moore, who we talked about before that I grew up with down in West Palm and lived up here, he was getting he got married back a couple years ago, and I was supposed to be the best man in the wedding. And it just so happened that he scheduled his wedding on the very first as the same date as the very first uh competition in Dallas, Texas, so I had to decide you know, do I not go to the contest or do I go to the wedding what's you know what do I do and so I decided to you know miss the wedding and go to the contest, and ended up going to the contest rode this is you know you had to no matter what your standings were from the year before, you still had to ride on Friday to qualify. And I went in, rode on Friday, and ended up having a horrible ride. Got zero points, didn't didn't qualify, and it as if it didn't matter if I had gone to the event at all because of, you know, how I rode. So here I am, flew all the way out there, rode this contest, got zero points, and I my best friend's getting married back at home the next day, and I can't even leave. To get back to go to the wedding. So it was like, oh my God. You know, and then so now, you know, Buddy Spencer's getting married, and I'm like, do I go to Brostock and miss the wedding or do I miss out? You know, it sucks that it's the last year because it's, yeah. you know, this is the.
0: Oh, this is going to be the last year of Brostock? Uh, well,
1: actually, I don't know that it's the last year. I think it might be the last year that it would be in this location. Gotcha. But it's the 10th year. So it's, you know, it's a 10th year it anniversary. An year. It's, a, it's an important year for sure, especially if you win it, you know, good prize money, but. There's so many other events throughout the year to go to. You and... Think
0: about over the years in your career, how many different times you've had to miss something important—a yeah. birth, you know. I, I haven't been home for Father's Day or oh, Mother's yeah. Day in years because there's always an event. I always miss mo- like uh, Memorial Day because of the Masters, yeah. and it's as awesome as our jobs are, as cool as it is to get to travel each and every week. That's that's kind of the negative side is that sometimes we. We have to make a, especially a guy like you, you have to be there. I mean, yeah, well, especially like, you kind know, of yeah, when
1: it. you say, I mean, even though it's just a day, but it's still, it's a day to father's day, mother's day, it's a day to, you know, recognize your family and whatnot. And luckily we're able to, you know, normally be home during Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, things like that. So, it, you know, it kind of balances out, but family is everything. And when you miss stuff like that and, you know, later on down the road, as you get older, your family gets older, you kind of you know, you got to take appreciation for those dates and, and make them count.
0: The debate. If you're a contest guy versus free rider has been talked about for a long time. And you know, you have a laid back approach to everything you do. And I think you kind of get labeled as a free rider, but you're also, you've been a a contest threat for a long time. You really have. What's your take on it? Are you a contest rider or are you a free rider?
1: Well, I, I mean, I'd say I was both. Um, you know back in the day I definitely rode every single contest and I had some good results. You know, I've definitely had some pro tour wins, national wins, carnival rail events. You know, there's th- several different things throughout throughout my career that I won. Um but you figure, you know, I've been riding competitions since early 90, early mid 90s and it's now 2015. <laughs> so so um you know, I I you know, especially traveling, doing contests, they can take a toll on you over time. You know, especially you know, it's some people still say, you know, how are you still doing this? That as you know, I'm not. It's not like that. I'm old, but I've been in the industry for so long. I've been competing for so long. So, you know, I try to nowadays kind of limit myself to just certain events. You know, mostly you know, nautique has five events throughout the throughout the year. So, that that's that that in itself is a lot. Um, Liquid force has events. You know, there's then there's like the wake park triple crown events um that monster and liquid force put on so i still go to about 10 10 events throughout the year it might not be the the series of you know the wake you know the, the world series or the you know everything combined um which can hurt too because you're better off if you ride all the events and you're you keep a good ranking because i don't go to these certain events and then i go to these contests and i'm very low ranked so now i'm now i'm having to ride against Harley and Phil and one heat or something like that. You know, it can be, can make it a pain in the butt, but you know, I've from riding for the past 20 years, I've, I've, I guess I've built a name for myself, so I don't have to go to every single contest and try and win or, you know, or, or prove something because I've already, I guess in a way I've already proved something, but I still have to stay relevant. still have to ride. You know, it's, for me sometimes, you know, certain events to go to if I know it's not going to be a good location, a good boat, you know, if it's not going to be a good wake. And, the you know, it can be a costly. You know, to nowadays to go to an event, average flight $500, hotel rooms for a couple nights, a couple hundred dollars. They make us pay a $200 entry fee. I like to have a vehicle. You know, you're, you can be well over $1,000 to go into the weekend and Maybe not even make it through round one. Well, exactly. I mean, even if you make it to top five, you know, what I mean, like top ten doesn't even pay more than a thousand. So it's you know, it's like you have to know if you're gonna go to these events. That's why I understand how some of these people do it. You have to know that you're gonna at least place a certain amount of money, or uh, I'm sorry, not a certain amount of money. You have to place a certain position to even make anything back. You know, what I mean, you could get eighth place and make 500 bucks but still you've lost a thousand bucks
0: so
1: so is it you know if 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 you're really relying on that then it could you know it could hurt
0: that's what's so cool about you know some of your sponsors you know the fact that nautique has five events in the wake series you know you can kind of pick and choose and they can maybe help you out a little bit same thing with liquid force you don't have to go to each and every one of them but you know you're you're a kind of a guy who you don't have to win in fact you don't even have to hit the lake that weekend <laughs> but people want to come and see you you have your fan base you yeah. you've built that
1: yeah exactly that's you know that's why it's fun to go to these events especially you know to go to an event that's you know one of my one of my sponsors is the you know title sponsor because I know we're gonna have autograph signings and we're gonna you know we're gonna get to meet and greet with the fans and whatnot um, but if it's an event where it's you know Say it's not my boat sponsor, it's not my energy drink sponsor, my energy drink sponsor, or if my board sponsor isn't part of the event whatsoever. So I go to this event and I'm not there. Only thing I'd be there to do is ride. I have no other obligations. So if I'm not obligated to be there, I'm better off going and doing some other events. You know, I, I've the past couple of years, I've traveled to more countries, um, different locations that are you know people are putting on different events that are sometimes getting more people showing up just for these. And they are for some of these pro tour stops, right. you know, and are kind of reaching out to a different crew of people. And, you know, I've even looked at it. I've, I've started to figure out, you know, I remember back when I was young, 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 and I was asked to go overseas quite a bit, you know, different countries and things like that. And it's very hard to go overseas during the middle of the season because there's so much stuff going on and that takes a long time to get there. But, You know, nowadays we're still, there's still those requests, but you have all these other, you know, Harleys, Rustys, Bobs, people that have to be here for these events and there's requests to go to these other events and now I have the time to do it. So I can get over there. I get free travel to these amazing places throughout the world and I'm making a good day rate to go there. So, and I'm meeting out to a whole new group of people. So I'm, you know, I'm going to all these amazing places, having a great time and meeting new people and it's a great time.
0: Hey man you earned it yeah you earned it sounds like it's it's starting to rain yeah a little bit well, That's Can, hey that's that's what happens sometimes it's when you a you're, good thing we decide to sit in this beautiful boathouse. yeah now. exactly as long as the wind stays away from us but that's yeah. sometimes what happens you got to deal with the elements hopefully it won't come in too much through the microphones we'll see here yeah we we're just talking about international travel wake the line in germany uh is a two tower cable event that you've taken third at at least twice now
1: yes yeah, second i got it I've gotten everything on the podium except for first. <laughs> so, um, what what makes that event so special? Well, you know it's a shame that they still don't want to do that event, but um, you know it's just it's kind of almost like that, like the Masters, the Muma Masters. It, it's you know you're inside of a Olympic swimming area. You've got the Olympic diving boards. You've got the Olympic lap pool, um, and then you've got another just. I don't even know exactly what pool it is, but you've got three different pools with, you know, land gap between them. And, you know, so they build amazing features every year. And then you've got stadium seating on both sides of it. So you've, in this very short area, you've got close to 10,000 people, you know, bunched together, excited to see you ride. And you're riding in a pool, good weather, um, you know, get amazing video footage out of literally there. like
0: 25 feet from the i mean person in the front well, row yeah i
1: mean they've got to have a shorter rope because if you you know there's times when people either off the kicker or even off some of the obstacles land and they're i mean they're within a foot of the edge of the pool <laughs> so so uh you know it's very tight setup but it's unique and and um you know especially back that you know i figure it's been it's been several years since they did an event there but um at the time, that's when rail riding was very, you know, it was taking that next level and really starting to, you know, you were seeing a different group of, of riders, especially nowadays with the guys like, you know, Daniel Grant, Aaron Gunn. Um, I mean, I can't even, there's too many to think of. <laughs> um, Graham Burris, you know, Dom. You know, there's a lot of guys now that are really
0: pushing the sport to a whole new level, and, and uh, it's really cool to see. Yeah, it's like the progression of rail events was the carnival at the projects the first rail contest ever?
1: I mean you know, I'd say so. Yeah, back what year was that first one?
0: 99.
1: Yeah, that was when you know, I remember Thomas Farrell and Byerley and Parks and I mean so many so many old school heads back in the day that were really pushing it and I mean even look back at even look back at some of that footage and some of the rails that were built they were a little small and, you know, not proportionate, but the idea behind them right. was was really cool.
0: The carnivals happened four times with only three different winners. Only Parks and Byerly won it before. You hold the title now. How special was that event in particular for you?
1: Um, it was definitely very special. You know, I've had a couple of titles throughout my career that, that stand out, you know, the carnival might not be up there as you know part of a ranking system or whatnot, but for the core riders and whatnot, it's definitely a very big thing. You know, there was only a certain amount of riders invited to it and very prestigious and very difficult, you know. Um, this was back in the day when even, you know, even I think this was 2009. or it was either 08 or, yeah, it was was the or last, 09. Yeah, it was the last time that carnival went on and, you know, System twos and cables were they were big then, but they um, you know even back then during this contest it was still you know most mostly rails were hitting behind a jet ski, so you know you had a line of rails and you just went back and forth like a five minute jam session and and you know it was a lot of work that went into it. You you would ride do a five minute jam session and you know you hit a line of rails, jet ski turns around as quickly as possible to get you right back into it. So and then you've only got you've only got 100 feet at most between or whatever between each rail and each rail is 75 feet long so you're hitting these obstacles and barely breathing and you know you're sometimes you're if you know you've already got a good hit on that rail you're probably going to pass it up because you need to breathe so you know these five minute jam sessions by the time you get back in i mean there was guys that were throwing up from you know exhaustion and you know you're cramped up so so there's a lot that went into it, and then, you know, you, you've got some scary rails, and you've got a lot of things, and then you've got some of the best rail riders riding, and you've got to compete against them, and most of the time, you know, it's a head-to-head event, so you get paired up against guys like Parks, or Rathy at the time, Shane, Danny Harf, Merck Roster, you know, there was at, there was some big-name rail riders at the time, and and um uh, you know, and then, and then battling, you know, like at that, the last, the last, um, last carnival parks didn't even have to ride until the final because he, 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 he was the last, you know, was that he, he, he held the, he, yeah, he held the title. So, so, uh, parks just got to do a few rap practice rides here and there, but he didn't really have to compete until, until it came time finals. So I had to ride against all the crew and ride my ass off. I, you know, I was even... You hear that that thunder? It's, the, that's a little run, it's right, Lord yeah. Love yeah. for us. But um, but yeah, you know, it was it was a wild it was a wild event. You know, a lot of riding, a lot of hustling, and uh, you know, to you know, especially back then. I mean, you figure two thousand eight. That's that's you know what eight years ago, seven years ago. Um, I was Parks was really you know he was really in his rail rail riding prime and was was killing it. So to you know to, to hold the title now, it's definitely an
0: honor. and I'm glad to still be holding onto that belt. Yeah, and, and that belt is inside your house. I saw it, and before I get out of here, I'm actually going to probably strap, strap it over my shoulders. I feel like and I
1: should be wearing that right
0: now. You should, be, you should actually <laughs> be wearing that I everywhere should, you I should you, go. You right. know that if I ever won a title belt for anything, I'd probably have it over my shoulders at yeah. all times.
1: I'll have my feet on Fire Champ and one, or Trophy in one hand and my belt on the other shoulder.
0: Watson, you've gone down in history with your name being the first professional rider to ever land a 900 in a contest, but there's a debate out there that says you weren't necessarily the first rider. Can you squash it right now? Can you tell me what the deal is with it?
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I think it was 1999, we were in Germany, and it was a double-up contest. There was all kinds of guys, Darren Shapiro, Parks, Matt Staker, and quite a few guys, and you know, I was I was later in the round for for my run, and uh, I remember a couple of the guys, you know, Parks doing his typical double half cab, and a lot of the got you know Darren doing his thing, and I remember I was planning on probably doing like a heel side seven off a double up, and Matt Staker went out before me and stomped the perfect heel side seven, so I was like, well, you know, what am I gonna do? I don't I don't know what I'm gonna do, and I could do toe side toast i could do toe side sevens all the time no worries and i was like yeah i guess i'll try a toe side nine and never tried it never thought about trying it you know back then wakes were a lot smaller and you know double ups weren't even that good but so i ended up cutting in going for broke and threw a nine landed it perfect with time and kind of even when i landed i was like I just do a five or did I do a nine? And I kind of looked up and everyone in the boat and everyone on shore, like freaking out whipped in. And, you know, everyone was like, Oh my God, no one's ever done a nine, you know, um, especially off the double up. Um, so I did it then, but I think you might be referring to, you know, in a, like an actual wake contest. There have been a couple of guys. I remember, I think it was, I think it was nationals. I don't know what year it might've been 2000, 2001. Um, but, earlier in the day there was the junior rider i think it was um steve wallman i think right. no not steve, not steve wallman but uh steve stevie william or wasn't what you you're thinking of older older school but it was a junior rider steve wallman's an older older school right writer, but uh i can't remember his name but a junior rider that ended up the end that same day he did a toe side nine off the wake in his in his run but then you know later in the day during pro men i ended up landing it too so
0: you're so, the one who kind of got the credit for I it. I got,
1: the, I got the bit of the credit for it. You know, can't give credit to a junior rider.
0: Yeah, well, it you, you can't. You know, you're, you're still here.
1: Still here. You're still still, still riding. You still. Pushing I don't think it. he's riding anymore. and He was a junior at that time. So yeah, I'll take, I'll take credit for that.
0: One other contest I want to talk about, and you said a little bit about it a few moments ago. Feet on fire. Yeah. That's the barefoot contest that. This, uh, is, your, this is your event. Yeah, yeah, myself Watkins, we put that on, and mm-hmm. you're a you won the first ever feet on fire. And then a few years later you went and repeated and became a two time feet and I've on fire also, champion. And I've also gotten a second. And yes, you've also been on the podium there. Yeah. Um, do you think the wake community was pretty surprised at that event when you came out just firing on nothing but your bare feet? Well, yeah. I mean,
1: like I said, you know, I told you earlier when we first started this interview, you know, when I, when I, before I really started wakeboarding, I grew up show skiing and I was, you know, that was part of my thing in show skiing. i have you know horrible conditions would have to be out there barefooting and i did barefoot pyramids i did all kinds of different things so i was very i mean i feel like you know barefooting is a hard thing but it's also like riding a bike it's not very you know it's one of those things that you just you have to learn how to do it and you don't forget how because you don't want to catch that toe and take a a digger so um you know you just have that drive and you want to you want to go especially when you're competing against you know i remember you know Zane Schwenk and I have battled a couple times. JD Parks, Parks and I have battled it twice for for the win, which I've gotten. In, both of my wins were against Parks. I've had a second lost against Zane, um, but uh, but yeah, it's a pretty pretty cool event. You know, it, it's funny to see a lot of wakeboarders trying to barefoot, but we've all kind of got very similar backgrounds. We all started water skiing first, and then kind of transitioned into wakeboarding.
0: A lot of the old school folks, yeah. not necessarily the the new I mean, the you, new I, generation. Be, it's funny to
1: see a lot of these younger guys now try to get them to barefoot. They can't even step off or or do anything. I don't think so, they know
0: how to ride forwards, but that's okay.
1: Yeah, for that's sure. Okay.
0: Where would you say on the spectrum of all of your wins would that feet on fire?
1: Uh, I mean, it was. I remember the, my first win was was a pretty wild one because it was. I think that was the time when I made a full figure eight, and I, I might have been against Parks where he fell and I made the full figure eight and ended by whipping into the, to the dock. This is at Kalman's on clear Lake where it's, he's got this big monster dock with a huge platform and everyone's on the roof and on the dock. And I whipped in and you know, you've got you announcing, Oh, you know, and it was just kind of one of those things. I mean, it's especially when you right when you get that, you know, you won and you come into a,
0: I think everybody started pouring off of the, yeah, everyone started
1: (laughs) jumping in and it was the first one. So, you know, it's obviously to win the first one is, is, it's a feat, and uh, it's
0: a cool feeling. It was a real party. Yeah, I miss that event. We're, we got to bring it back. That I think it's time. For anybody who doesn't know, it's actually run behind a wakeboard boat. It kind of doesn't make to a, a professional barefooter probably wouldn't make any sense. Not at
1: all. But you've had some you've had some very well known barefooters come show up and and not make it through. That's right. Early that's,
0: rounds. That's right. A lot of yeah. I've taken out a professional skier before. Yeah. And you've taken out some professional uh, uh, yeah. skiers before, mm-hmm. but hey, it is, is what it is. is. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're professional water skiers in yeah. a way. You know? We're it's... very decorated all-around watermen.
1: Yeah, watermen. It's a good way to put it.
0: Sean, as much as I hate to do this, we're going to stop right there for just one moment and take a quick break and pay some bills. All right, we'll see you in a few. Let's take a quick break and talk about gear. I get all mine from Performance Ski and Surf and online at perfski.com. Performance Ski and Surf has been the world's leading water ski and wakeboard pro shop since 1989. The award-winning staff brings decades of on-water experience and knowledge to each sale with a laid-back, no-pressure attitude. Do you like to get sweet deals on even sweeter gear? I know I do. So right now, through June 15th, mention my name, Daniel the Mano, and the Golden Mike Podcast and get 15% off all rubber. Spring suits, full suits, heater tops, all wetsuits and vests are 15% off when you mention my name, Daniel the Mano, and the Golden Mike Podcast. Stop in for yourself at Performance Ski and Surf across from the Florida Mall just minutes from the Orlando International Airport. Call or visit them online at perfski.com. And now back to the conversation with Sean Watson. Do you think you're labeled as a guy who only dates beautiful models? <laughs>
1: well, I mean, I wouldn't say just models, but, you know, obviously we all like pretty women, and, and uh, I don't know, I guess I've just been lucky or fortunate to seem to find my way with with them.
0: <laughs> what would you say the percentage of times there are hot babes in your boat versus not in the boat while you shred? <laughs>
1: Definitely seems like shredding goes better when they are pretty women in the boat you know it's it's fun to ride with the boys you know but sometimes you kind of can lose that motivation and it always seems like if uh you know you get a female on the boat no matter what you always seem to have that little bit better better uh motivation
0: i kind of broke it down a little bit and i think i figured you out do you think it's do you think having ladies in the boat with you is what helped develop your style always showing off for the ladies it's
1: possible you know we always like to I, mean, I think it's just nature to try to impress the, impress the females. So maybe
0: you know. Is it a strategy that you don't want getting out to the new generation of yeah, riders or what?
1: Gotta keep it a secret. You know, keep my few secrets. But, but yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, I think we all have fun and, and uh, I don't know. I think I think you like you said I think you nailed it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, st- talking about the new, the new generation of riders, who are some riders that you think have something really special right now? Somebody that you could see having similar longevity in the sport like yourself?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's quite a few guys. Obviously, you know, you've you've got well, you've got both park and you've got boat. Um, you've got guys like Harley Clifford. Um, you know, you've got guys like Mike Dowdy and and things like that, like you know these, especially younger riders. But you can just see it in their riding and their drive. They they have they have what it takes, and they want, you know, they want it. So, um, you know, it's they're marketable riders, they're cool people, and they shred.
0: Yeah, they're good. Yeah,
1: really good. <laughs> are, Fun to watch.
0: Are you still being inspired from some of these guys? Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, it's like me and Harley ride a lot. Um, you know, I'll go over there. He'll come over here because I think he likes coming here because he lives on a very populated lake and constantly dealing with 10 other riders out there. So I know Harley likes to come here quite often and, and uh, get some smooth riding and good conditions. Um, but, you know, I mean, all the whole time I'm just either sitting there, I'm looking backwards or looking in the mirror and just kind of like in awe because he has a very different approach than, you know, some – some other riders like him and Dowdy don't really have your traditional edge style. It's like almost complete opposite, but obviously it works. (laughs) You know, you got these, you got them doing multiple double flips and tens off the wake, very different, you know, multiple variations of, you know, front side, backside nines and, uh, mob fives, mob sevens. So it's, you know, it's, you know, you get, you watch. I mean, it's the same. I feel like even for your average person, you know, you, you know, they, Anytime we ride with, go out and ride with someone that doesn't ever ride with pros, and they watch them from the boat, it's it's a different, you know, it's a different perspective than watching it on a video or anything like that. Um, So, even myself, when I watch, you know, if I'm in the boat riding with guys like that, it's
0: kind of like wow, you know. Did you catch Dowdy's backside ten?
1: Yes, he did post that the other day. That's you know, and you can really see it in his in his practice with you know he does a lot. I mean even I remember when I was younger I did a lot of uh trampoline practice and really get your awareness and you can you know you kind of watch that backside ten he did off the wake I mean he goes massive on it but even the way he contorts his body you know he 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 almost goes in like two different axes through the wake you know off in the air and you know even his last backside 3 it, it looks like he's coming out of like a crow 5 or or something like that you know he's really off axis but that, you know, that off-axis is what helps him come around and and finish that rotation. It's it's pretty wild.
0: You, uh, I still give you credit for helping develop that trick though. All the tricks, all the, all the spins at least. Yeah. The
1: swat spinner. The swat spinner. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 like I said, even, you know, you think I've been doing off-axis spins. There was like my, like, you know, myself, Matt Staker, and um, I think Marshall Harrington kind of all around the same era that, that uh, started doing it. But you know, even myself, I never saw anyone do it. And I was, how I kind of learned it was jumping on a trampoline. I remember I learned a toe side 540 first time. It was an off-axis toe side 5. And my intention really was, you know, even jumping on a trampoline was was doing like a toe side um, off-axis, or not even off-axis. I was doing like a bat wing and doing like 180 and then thinking to do it, turn into a 360. And Kind of started doing that, which you know when you're when you're moving towards the wake and popping off the wake and trying that, it kind of just turned into a 540, and that kind of was I was like, what did I just do? Like, was that a scarecrow or did I pass the hand? Like,
0: what happened? Everyone in the boat was like, what? Do that again? Was that the is that was that the monkey spin or the swat spin? Well,
1: I had a I had a buddy that was in the boat and he was like, oh, that was a swat spin, and because you know my last name or my you know. My last name is Watson and first name Sean and kind of like SWATs. Like I had a buddy that always called me SWATs and he's like the SWAT spin. So, and so that's your trick. Kinda, the five kinda, is your trick, right, dude? Yeah, the SWAT's it turned into it. You know, I started doing it heel side and kept going toe side and and uh, you know there was definitely an era where people would call it no matter if anybody else did it the SWAT spin. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not you don't really hear that term anymore, but but uh
0: but it was definitely cool at that time to to do it. I think that's what happens when you transition into new announcers and stuff. The the yeah. names start getting uh getting changed up a little bit. It's and true. I've read out of everywhere you go, Lake Powell in Arizona is one of your all time spots to ride. Can you recall any epic moments from over the years?
1: At at Lake Powell? Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's you know, it we don't we used to go there every year for the liquid forest catalogue shoot. You know, we would go there and that was a spot to be. You know, and then we did our first year of Brostock there, and, um, you know, it's 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 interesting. You know, I haven't been in quite a few years, and I know if I went, I gonna have that same exact feeling as I always do when I get there. We get out in the houseboats, and, you know, you've got over 100 miles of canes to go through, and, you know, I remember just sitting on the top of the houseboat if I was either just, you know, driving or hanging out but you kind of just drive you're you're cruising through these canyons and you're kind of just in awe you know you feel like you're i feel like i'm like mars or i feel like i'm on another planet because it doesn't seem right and um and then especially you know you'll get up in the mornings and you'll we'll go out in the boats and depending on what the way the wind's going or whatnot we'll find these little little you know canyons and areas and it's just complete glass and you know, not a ripple on the water and you got the reflections from you know the light that you know you've got pretty much looks like clay and you've got this you know the sun beaming in on it reflecting off the water and the walls, and you're just kind of you know even when you're riding i mean i remember I'd ride and be cutting out next to the boat and kind of look over and just kind of like stare and be like oh wait i gotta i gotta I got to ride <laughs> so um you know that's why I think you know you might sometimes you might not get your best conditions, but if it is glassy and you know, at that time we'd have the nautique there, with, loaded down with wake and or loaded down with weight, and just have a massive wake, deep water. You don't have to, you know. There's really no excuses for not having a big wake. So, um, yeah, it was a good time.
0: Internationally, where do you love to ride?
1: Internationally, it depends. Um, if it's boat or, you know, the past couple of years, um, nautique has been sending me over to Turkey. There's a um, there's this resort called Hillside Beach Club and it's on the Mediterranean Sea and beautiful cove that's protected by the wind and they have an autique there. So it's, you know, it's kind of a win-win situation, but um, they'll fly us out there to kind of pretty much go on and put on a show for a week for some of the people that are staying at the resort and do a little bit of coaching and free riding, get to do some filming and just uh, kind of, kind of the same sort of thing you're you're kind of there and you're in this beautiful bay with you know multi or several multi-million dollar um you know yachts and sailboats and just beautiful scenery so it's just you know it's kind of kind of feel like you're same sort of thing you know different you know like am i on earth right now where am i (laughs) i don't know it's just is this real life it's just yeah exactly is this real (laughs) life so yeah there's quite a few places
0: what was it like being a part of the Pointless Posse?
1: That was a really cool era, you know. It, you know, you've got a group of guys that are all within the same age, coming out at the same time. You know, wake, like, you know, all kind of be turning pro at the same time, um, and all kind of the same, you know, drive, same motivation. Everyone's kind of wants the same thing, and and all good group of friends. So, you know, kind of Shane and Parks and Danny came up with the the Pointless Crew and. You know, even at that time when they first started kind of becoming the pointless crew, I was still living in West Palm and was slowly transitioning into coming up to Orlando and happened to happen at the right time and got to be a part of a pretty amazing era in the sport.
0: Yeah, definitely a memorable time for everybody who is a fan of the sport. Yeah. And and for anybody who, we, we talk about it almost on every episode, at least whenever I got a pointless member here. Yeah. And uh, anybody who's never seen Pointless, I mean, that's one of the movies that helped change the sport.
1: Yeah, it is funny to think, you know, I, you some of these, the younger guys that are coming into wakeboarding and, you know, you ask them about videos or mention the Pointless and they, and they for them not to even know what that is, is, you know, I mean, you can understand that they wouldn't know because you figured when that was, they could have been 10 years older at the time and barely even knew what wakeboarding was. Right. But, uh, but I feel like as myself, as a, you know, I feel like I would look back on the history. I remember when I, I remember when I was younger and used to watch videos like high drift drifters and a lot of these things that, you know, that were when I was watching them, they were five years old or so. But, you know, what, looking back and seeing guys like Byerly and stuff and these guys doing tricks back then off these tiny little wakes and with so much style. You know, I'm like, oh man, I want to do that, but I want to add my own, you know, variation to it or whatnot. Look, it was
0: different for for guys like us back then because the amount of content wasn't out at yeah, our yeah. fingertips. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you couldn't just go online and watch a wake or a web edit. You know, it wasn't even really online then. So. You had four. You had four. Yeah. You, had you had four wakeboard much, videos that you. Yeah, exactly. You had the you had your VHS player, and that was all you could really do.
0: Yeah. Hey, so you've been with Liquid Force since 1997. You said earlier. Yeah. You've had best-selling boards and the most pro models, right, out of any rider ever?
1: I don't know. I mean, I I, I feel like Sean Murray's probably close. You know, I've just gotten lucky where, you know, I've kind of, you know, even over the past few years, you know, like I, I've gotten lucky where obviously working with Look at Forest and guys like Jimmy Redman, who's an amazing shaper, but, you know, for instance, like still having the classic that's been in the line for almost 10 years now. It's still one of their best-selling boards. And, you know, a lot of the top riders have come off of riding that board onto their pro model. If they had didn't have pro models, they'd still be riding it. Um, you know, and then you look at the line and the fact that most of a lot of the boards are kind of based off of that shape. So, you know, I've still got that board in line, but I've also lucky enough to have like a boat version of the board that I ride. And then also a park version of that, you know, the hybrid, which can be ridden either off the boat or on the park, and, you know, lucky, lucky for me that it was a good shape that people like, and and, uh, yeah, so, you know, right now, I guess, you're right, I've got I've got three three boards with three different sizes on it, so it's, uh, I like it, you know, pays the bills, yeah. get, get a little royalty check, and, right. uh, and, you know, it's just cool, I mean, I, I mean, I feel you know, like I said, I'm lucky enough to have gotten to work with a good shaper, amazing shaper like Jimmy Redmond and able to put in good input that you know, makes it easy for him to shape a board that, you know, for myself, like I feel like I a well, I'm looking at a board that what I want, but I'm also thinking in relevance to what everybody else wants. And I want something, I want a board that works for me and works for everybody, you know, someone that can get on and suit them and, uh, you know, work for both parties.
0: Well, this is the this is the time right now that I know I know all the 2015s are out and mm-hmm. everything is being sold, probably getting close to being sold out for the summer. I'd assume, yeah. and I'm sure you're working on some some stuff for 2016. Can you give us uh maybe a little? Yeah, a I mean, there's there's something? gonna be there's
1: definitely gonna be some changes. I I don't think I won't have as many let's say SKUs. I'm not gonna have as uh, probably won't have nine boards anymore. It'll probably be. You know cut down to close to half but hopefully this new one has a good uh good outlook from people and and you know what we're working on is something completely different and and uh we'll have some variations but but uh you know product you know we've seen a lot through generations of riders as well as product you know you, you see a lot of things have have uh evolved you know you've got boats changing with you know way bigger wakes now and motors and then you've got board you know especially think about where bindings have come from from 10 years ago to how they are now and still getting better and then even boards um the way they're built and becoming a lot stronger and you know more user friendly and uh yeah so kind of try taking that uh that outlook and applying that into boards
0: a wake surfer
1: yeah and we also have a wake surfer now um you know i've I've uh, under the Watson name, right? Yeah, i got a Watson a Watson wake surfer coming out next year, which is pretty cool. You know, I, I you've got a lot of the other brands know, you've got Ronix and Hyperlite with a lot of these other guys that have had pro model wake surfers for a long time. And, and then you've, you know, I, I mean, I've been wakeboarding for a long time, but I've also been wake surfing for just as long. I remember back in the day before it was even really wake surfing was a thing. We used to just take a skimboard or a surfer and, and it was just, it's a fun thing to do, you know, it's yeah. when you're on the weekends or if it's a really, you know, horrible day out or you've got a lot of boats in the water, it's a fun thing to do. And, um, you know, I mean, and the way it's going nowadays, you got people that are buying boats, wakeboarding boats that are, they're just using them to surf. And, you know, you've got Nautique that's, and a lot of, you know, other brands, but Nautique is... You've got the g23 that's got almost two different hole shapes it's got a hole that is meant designed for wake surfing at slow speeds but then when you go you know at a faster speed for wakeboarding you're using a completely different part of the hole and and um you know so you've got these people that are buying these expensive boats that are just wake surfing so there i mean there's a lot of they're probably selling just as many if not more wake surfers than there wake boards and you know, you've got Looker Force, and you've got you've got Looker Force, and you've got Nautique that use me advertising-wise as both wakeboarding and wake surfing. So it's kind of only fitting if I'm going to be having photos of me ran, you know, at advertising. Then I, people, should probably, I should probably I should probably have board. my own. I should probably have my own surfer. Yeah, I think you... I've deserved it. I might I might not. Maybe in some people's eyes, you know, you've got the the pro wake surfers that feel like it's probably not uh, right for me to have my own model wake surfer but i think over the years with the editorial or or you know what i've had i think i deserve it
0: yeah although maybe some of those folks and not, not talking any trash although yeah. maybe they don't fully know the history of it yeah that's probably true you're probably very yeah or maybe they do know the history and they're just trying to rewrite it i it's, don't i really it's don't possible. know you know i don't know you've got your
1: haters yeah you've got your
0: lovers yep
1: i'm I'm a little bit of both (laughs) yeah exactly we we all are on our own on our own aspect you know
0: we're almost done here i want to ask you what's your take on the current contest scene
1: the current contest scene um you know it's definitely it's definitely i feel like it's changing evolving in a way um but you know it's it's wild to see someone like harley clifford who pretty much wins every contest but like I said earlier when he came over when he comes over and rides and you watch him ride I mean he'll he'll come over and ride as the boats barely even on plane he's doing a double half cab into a into a double indie tantrum like every single time he rides and it's like oh my god but obviously he put he's dedicated and he puts in a lot of work and and uh I mean he really can't be beat unless he falls or has a he has an off day if he has a stand up pass there's he's kind of untouchable so Um, but you've got a lot of guys that are close behind, you know I mean? Dowdy, Dowdy hasn't had a win yet. I don't even know if he's even at a podium, but I think he's, that's very close in his future. Um, Corey, Corey Tunison, he just got a podium and, and he's very deserving of it too. Um, but then you've also got the Wake Park aspect. You know, you've got Daniel Grant, um, Graham Burris, Aaron Gunn, I mean, there's there's so many people that i'm probably not even naming but those are some of the top that stand out in my head and uh it's kind of the same thing you watch those guys ride and you're just like Oh my god they're so creative and they go so big how are you going that big and doing what you're doing and landing on flat water but they do it and they make it look good
0: and what about that shred town event that just got done yeah
1: the jamboree man i you know if i uh I mean, I wish I was a part of that, but after looking at some of those drops and some of that stuff, I'm like, oh, my God, that, that is some gnarly, gnarly stuff. But, like I I mean, those guys are laying it down and putting their body in the line. And I mean, was- there's there's some some lines that those guys are taking, and I'm like, I don't know if I'd even think about doing that. Like, that, there's some really gnarly risk for reward.
0: Graham Burris doing a tantrum to backside lip slide over yep. like a twenty foot gap.
1: Yeah, and then there's even you know they're like Daniel Grant doing. There's the gap to the metal handrail on the on the drop. Um, you know, coming in doing a toe back three sixty to fifty fifty on a little metal hand, closeout handrail. And, you know, he he messes up a little bit, and there's a lot of a lot of risks that could happen. But the kid is a ninja and i mean I'm i uh he's I a know, human video game he, he really is i mean he he plays a lot of video games and I think he lives in a video game but it's cool to see
0: it describe your ideal wakeboard contest
1: my ideal wakeboard contest yeah. oh, i don't know i mean i guess you know having a really cool location obviously having an if it's behind a boat having an Nautique g23 there but I don't know. It's really like we spoke about earlier with the Mooma Masters. I think, uh, I think they've got something there. I think if there was a way to, uh, kind of incorporate something like that, you know, the, uh, the wake the line event, that event, um, we don't really have anything like that here in the States. And I think if there was a way to kind of incorporate some of those, you know, the way that things structured and, and, uh, kind of change it up than you're just a your normal wake event. You know, I feel like feel like some of the wake wake events is it's not stale, but you know, you it's hard to get people to kind of stay for the whole day or even stay for the awards. You know, you see some other types of sporting events and and you've got big crowds and you've got you know, because I know there's a lot of people that wakeboard, a lot of people that follow it. Um but you got know, people that show up to events and they just don't have that same vibe. So if there was some sort of way to really get that, you know, get that feeling, and I don't really know what it is, but I think we're gonna hit it one day.
0: Yeah, I I, I definitely think the two tower uh, yeah. systems have something to do with it, and will play a very big part in yeah. that moving into the future. Mm-hmm. As far as the summer goes, any major projects, events, or traveling, anything special? Yeah, I mean, you
1: know, I definitely gonna be competing in all the nautique events that liquid forest monster alliance triple crown events unfortunately missing bro stock this year like we talked about but um you know i've I've got some other kind of cool one-off events that i'll be going to and and uh hopefully spend a little more time home this year to to really you know i really want to work on maybe you know a good web video i've I've had a lot of people ask me about the the high life video if there's going to be a part two you know, it's been two years now. I think it's probably time. Maybe you know a similar vibe, and and uh, you know, I think it's about that time.
0: That was that was definitely a uh, that probably helped get some of your followers on on Instagram. Oh, for sure. I yes. mean, you know, or lost. You never know. A lot of jealous, yeah, a lot of jealous uh, dudes, and probably a lot of bummed out women. Yeah. <laughs> but it was pretty good. Watch, we could do this forever. I think we'll uh we'll go ahead and save the rest for the next time before yeah, we go. You we can't want... we
1: can't use it all right you know, yeah. right off the bat. We gotta we gotta save some other content for the next time.
0: That's right. There's plenty more of it. Do you wanna make any shout outs to anybody, any sponsors or friends or family or anybody? Yeah,
1: I mean obviously always shout out to my family, you know, my parents, both my brothers, Jimmy and Jason, and uh you know, give my, my girlfriend some love, Gabriella, and uh obviously all my sponsors. You got Liquid Force, Nautique Boats Billabong, Monster Energy, Dragon, Roswell, and Performance Ski and Surf. Beautiful.
0: These are those are some great people right there. I know.
1: I feel I feel pretty honored to have such a good crew of people behind me.
0: I was looking at your Instagram. I told you earlier, not stalking, just looking. <laughs> almost, almost what sixteen thousand followers.
1: Yeah, we need to get those that count up. Let's but, get that but, count up. Yeah, What's your social sure. media? Ah, uh, my social media. It's both. The, it's both same for both uh, Instagram and Twitter. But it's Sean M Watson. Couldn't had to add that in because unfortunately there's some there's some guy with about a hundred followers that uses Sean Watson. There's and a he doesn't ever post. I think he's we're probably about on track with posting lately since I haven't posted in, in a couple of weeks. But uh,
0: there's a famous like football player. There or something it is. Called I think he's a Texas Watson. Texas yeah. uh, State coach back in the day. Sean right. Watson. Yep, I've been reading a lot of articles while I was getting prepared for this. Yeah. So, it's Sean M Watson, spelled with S H A W N. Yeah, with so, an M.
1: That's right. If you want to know my little name, it's kind of it's kind of funny. Yeah, what is it? You really want to know? Yeah. You don't know it? Michael? It should be. I mean, you would think. It's kind of I remember when I was young, I was really quite embarrassed of it, but
0: I was about to ask you, but then you know, I it, didn't because I figured it was it's, Michael. It's
1: funny, but it's, you know, it's my dad's middle name and then it was actually I think my great grandfather's first name and it's it's the capital of Alabama. Oh, Montgomery? Mhm.
0: All right. Yeah. Montgomery. Montgomery. Sean that's... Montgomery. Monty.
1: Mhm. It's a Monty. long one too because on my ID they put Sean and then it's a space below is Montgomery Watson. So sometimes people look at my ID and they're like Montgomery Watson. No, it's Look above it. That's my first name. You should. You should actually start going by Monty. Monty, the full yeah. Monty. Yeah, Monty. The full Monty.
0: Hey, Watson. Again, thank you for having me so much at your house. Thanks for uh, uh, setting us up here in your G23. This has been a, another unique interview uh, for me, and I, I hope you had a good time, man. This is I fun.
1: Ha- I sure have. Hope you have too. Hope everybody else has. That's hope right. everyone's still listening. I think
0: they are. Cool. Ladies and gentlemen, from West Palm Beach, Florida, he is the two-time, two-time U.S. national wakeboard and feet-on-fire champion, the original SWAT spinner himself, Sean Watson. And I thank you again for joining me here on the Golden Mike Podcast. We'll be right back, guys. You. You. Nothing's better than paddling with friends and enjoying a day on the water. And that's why you need to check out Hungry Boards SUP. Hungry Boards go the extra mile and are passionate about their work and the sport of paddle boarding. They strive to create stronger, higher quality boards at a better value. Hungry Boards are designed to provide performance and stability to help keep you hungry for the enjoyment of SUP. Be sure to like them on Facebook And check them out at www.HungryBoardsSup.com. Hungry Boards, real boards for real people. His eyes are so blue, his words are so true. Sean Watson is an amazing human being, and I truly appreciate uh, Sean for having me and my crew over here to record inside of his G23 on Lake Hiawassee. I've done many events with the guy, been to parties at his house, I know his brothers, very fun, good-looking people, and a lot of talent. You know, when I was in high school and Watson broke onto the contest scene, he was a guy who I feel if he landed his tricks, he'd be hard to match. He beat top names, guys like Murray, Darren, and Parks. He innovated a riding style, inspired riders, and he still does today. Watson has time for his fans... And he always has. You're drawn to him. He knows the industry inside and out. From the veterans of the past to the pros of today, Watson has stayed in the mix and continues to push his career and bring his signature style and just his naturally cool take on the sport around the world. I thank Sean for letting us record on on his side of the neighborhood, and I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. Hey, let me know. Your feedback is always welcomed and encouraged. Shoot me a note through email goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com or message me through the Golden Mike Facebook page. Again, I'm on Twitter. Follow me at thedanotmano and at the Golden underscore Mike. You all know I'm on Instagram. Shoot me that follow if you would at danotmano. I want to be like Watson. I want to hit the 10,000 mark. I'm, I got to hit the 5,000 mark first. And before we go, a few shout outs to the sponsors and the folks behind the scenes. Thank you to iWake.com, Performance Ski and Surf, PerfSki.com, Hydra Fenders, Hungry Boards, SUP, Woodrose, Jammy Pack, GoPuck, my friends at Logos That Pop, and Empire Sound and Lighting. Thanks again to my guest, Sean Watson. That's going to do it for today's show. I appreciate you all for tuning in and listening. I am the Noise of the North, Dan of the Mano, and you can hear me next time once again on the Golden Mike Podcast.